0: You're listening to Fair Play on JustiCenews.net.
1: Welcome to Fair Play. I'm your host, Imran Siddiqui. Lydell Grant from Houston in Texas spent nine and a half years in prison for a murder he did not commit. Innocent and yet ended up paying a heavy price for someone else's crime with no fault of his own. And joining me today is Lydell Grant himself. Thank you for joining me and welcome to Fair Play, Lydell.
2: I thank Fair Play for having me. How you doing?
1: Uh, We're doing good. We'll just do a quick recap about how you're doing. But before that, you were arrested in 2010 for the murder of Aaron Shearhorn outside a nightclub in the Montrose district of Houston. Six eyewitnesses looked at a photo lineup and identified you as the killer. And at that time, you said, let me quote you here. I don't care if you have 600 witnesses. I didn't kill him. Still, they didn't listen to you, nor looked at the evidence pointing towards your innocence. And they went ahead and wrongfully convicted you in 2012. Mm -hmm. And now a numerical Carter confessed to the murder. Uh How does it feel to be right, even though it took a decade? I'm
2: glad you asked that question. I mean you gotta understand that for me to be sitting in the prison without being able to speak up for myself let me say that without me being able to speak up for myself and to hear you know or see the comments posted and what the news media was saying about me from what they uh, was hearing or their speculations I mean now I'm out and I proved to the world, it's a great feeling to be able to sit back and say, now what? Yeah. Now what? I mean, everybody had something to say about me and this situation. But now that I have proved to not only the naysayers, the haters, you know, but I was able to prove to a multitude of people that I am innocent. And that what I've been saying from the get-go, it still remains. I am actually innocent. I never committed this crime. I never knew the victim, nor did I ever know the suspect. I don't know none of them people at all. Never talked to them, never seen them a day in my life. You know, but I am glad that I came out on top with the truth. And everybody now know the truth. I know it's going to be a percentage of the world that's going to have their own beliefs and, you know, their own opinions. But, hey, that's life. You know, in a situation like this here, it's like this. When someone is killed, just say if someone killed my brother or someone killed my sister or however the case may be, I'm going to be so bitter that it happened in reality yeah i would want them to get the right person but in, in, inside i want somebody to pay for it and just say if the police were able to go and get uh a, a suspect i mean i feel as though the case was solved you know whether i know if it's the right one or the wrong one just knowing somebody got arrested for killing a family member of mine in reality that would be satisfaction to me now on the other end if it's the right one or the wrong one you know that's a different story but that i'm just saying that there to let you know that's how people think and that's how society is which i am aware of so therefore i don't i don't play pay uh, close attention to the negative uh the negative talk you know it's still some people believe that i did it yeah i mean how can you argue against dna no, the, uh, the actual suspect confessing to what he did yeah. how could you argue against that
1: you gotta be blind to be able to do that if you're, if you're arguing against that and that's that. what
2: justice was trying to do that's what the justice system was trying to do turn a blind eye to the truth now don't you know this they had evidence that was ignored and I would like to say that I believe it was intentionally ignored they had evidence that uh, uh, Jamarico Carter killed the victim. They had evidence of this way in the beginning. Wow. They ignored it, totally ignored it. Didn't even follow up on it. And then the detective, uh, Eli Cisneros, who was the homicide lead and uh, detective, he was a sergeant at the time, he was just crooked as hell, man. I mean, this guy here, wow. he did any and everything that he had to do to put this case on me, when in fact, he knew that I wasn't the suspect. Wow. We need, to, we need to know because a lot of people, they don't know about this individual. He's the main reason, besides the prosecutor, he's the main reason of my wrongful conviction.
1: Wow. You told your mom that you would be back. Knowing that it could have taken you decades, do you think you made it out earlier? Yes,
2: I did. And I thank God for that. I thank God for that. I mean, you can go back and look at some of my uh, interviews that I I have done previously. And, um, you know, Google my name, Lydell Grant, release. And you'll see that I, I mean, I I had my mind frame transformed. To think positive, but right before they remanded me into the custody of the Harris County Sheriff's Department, before they did that, I mean, I had I was sitting there thinking, okay, they found me guilty. These folks give me they gave me, they finna give me some time. I mean, I didn't know how much time they were gonna give me, but they said life, man. I, all I could think about was. I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to do this. I mean uh previous before that I had did 15 years in prison on something that I did do and I was I was out for 5 years doing good, you know. I I, I pursued my music career and I was just about to, you know, blow up. I was right at that peak, man. I mean, them 5 years that I was out You know, it was like three years of hard grinding and hard work that I put into, you know, pursuing my music career. And right, right at the tip of it, right when I was finna blow and go, you know, national, this situation happened. So I say that to say this, God had another plan for me. My plan wasn't his plan. And when I was in prison, God was working on me. And he, I discovered that, hey, I got better things for you to do because once i realized that hey man what i was doing in the beginning god didn't approve of that he didn't approve of the lyrics that i was writing he didn't approve of me you know delivering this type of language or this type of content to uh the public so he snatched my which was he felt as though that was the only way to get my attention well god wants your attention it don't matter what it is he's gonna do whatever it takes yeah. To get your attention, man. If it calls, oh
1: yeah. If
2: it calls for a near death situation, whatever it takes for him to get your attention and for you to call on him, he's gonna do that. And me, I'm a living proof. God snatched my whole life when I thought it, you know, right when I thought everything was going good for me and everything was happening for me. Hey, God snatched my life completely away from me and placed me in a situation to where I was separated and I was uh, separated from everything and everybody. Where that way he had my full divided attention. And guess what I did once I realized that he was in control, that's when I started looking at this situation in a spiritual realm. This is God's doing. That's why I was able to say that I'm not mad at nobody. Who am I gonna be mad at? I can't be mad at nobody because God is in control. If this was part of the process that I had to go through to get to where I am today, hey, I don't regret none of it. I don't, I don't regret none of it, bro.
1: You've seen it from inside and out. Why do you think it's so difficult to get an innocent man out of wrongful, con- wrongful convictions or wrongful imprisonment? Oh, that's a good question this is what this is what i think and you
2: correct me if i'm wrong or if you agree with me let me know but this is what i believe for them to convict an innocent man in the beginning it got to be some type of acknowledgement that what they're doing they are aware of because here it is on the flip side now if you're not aware of something that you did wrong you wouldn't be so uh you wouldn't be so uh uh about it. you wouldn't dispute it. you wouldn't you wouldn't hesitate to answer you wouldn't hesitate to respond you wouldn't hesitate it, it, it's a lot of things that you wouldn't do if you didn't wow. know or what if you wasn't aware of something that you did wrong now if you knew that you did it did something wrong and you know your heart that you did it wrong guess what you're going to try to do you're gonna try to cover it up
1: cover it up that's the only answer yeah
2: you're going because why you don't want to be proved wrong you don't want to look bad you don't want people to uh, uh, lose trust in you so therefore you're gonna try everything in your power to try to cover up what you did wrong that's only when you know that you did wrong but if you didn't know Guess what? You're always open up for, you know, the truth,
1: acknowledgement,
2: corrections. you're you're always open up for that. Yeah. Oh, I man, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't try to do that. I mean, you're you apologetic. Still today, I haven't received anything from the state. I mean, they didn't apologize. I don't look for it. I don't give a damn about no apology. That ain't gonna change my life. You know what I'm saying? What happened happened, man. That's why it ain't good for me to sit back and ponder over old me, they locked me up. I mean, say, man, I've been fighting all my life. I'm black. I'm black in America, man. I've been fighting all my life, discriminated against, stereotyped, prejudged. I'm used to it. It don't matter. It don't matter to me because what man say about me, God say different. And that's what it's about. It's about what God thinks. Not what men think. God said, don't never put trust in men because they'll fear you every time. I don't put my trust in the system. I don't put my trust in the prosecutors. I don't put my trust in no judge. I don't put my trust in no detectives, man, no police officer because they are, they are human just like me. I respect authority, but I don't put my, I don't trust them at all, man. My trust is in the Lord.
0: You're listening to Fair Play on justicenews.net. This is Fair Play on justicenews.net.
1: Welcome back to Fair Play. I'm your host, Imran Siddiqui. And today we're speaking with Lydell Grant, who fought against his wrongful conviction in 2010 for a murder he did not commit, but spent almost a decade in prison for that. What role do you think DNA evidence played in your exoneration?
2: Well, it, it played a huge and significant role in my exoneration. I mean, I thank God for DNA because I always, there, there's always in the back of my mind this question if it wasn't for DNA, I'd still be in prison. Wow. I would still be in prison. The role that it played, the significant role that it played in my in my situation, it was able to identify the actual perpetrator. It was able it, it was able to uh, substantiate the facts that was given in my situation. Now they said that the suspect wrestled, tussled, scuffled. It was physical contact. During this Malik. Okay. They said Lydell Grant. Is the one who's responsible. For this. Uh, tragic death. So they place me. As being the sole. Uh, uh, the sole suspect. Said that I, I did it. I acted alone. Mm-hmm. Alright. So therefore. If I am the one. Or if I was the one. Who committed the crime and me and the suspect I mean the victim wrestled you know as I uh, uh, was stabbing him then don't you believe or don't you think that that DNA that was underneath his fingernails come on this is a how how, I mean underneath the fingernails how else would someone DNA go up under another person's fingernails how could that happen if you're not the person who did it. Yeah. Or if you're not the person that he last encountered with. Now, you got to understand when I tell you this, the suspect was stabbed according to, you know, court documents. He was stabbed away from the club where he ran to. He ran to the club, you know, in just for need of help and was turned away. The, the victim... Was outpowered by the suspect, and but before the, before he was outpowered, he put up a struggle, he put up a fight. So therefore, that interaction right there could, or uh, as we now know, was the reason that uh, someone else DNA was up underneath his fingernail. Because you got to realize the the sus, I mean the victim, he didn't go no, he didn't go anywhere else. He died right there on the scene.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: One person interacted with this uh, victim. They saying that it's a lot of Grant, but we don't have nothing to uh, substantiate that. But we do have an unknown DNA. We do have a lot of Grant known DNA. We do have the victims known DNA. This unknown DNA doesn't match neither one of these that's uh, uh, allegedly to be involved and stab him. The victim's DNA, that's not his, and Grant's DNA, that's not mine. So don't you know that they, they that 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 unknown DNA went unaccounted for throughout my whole trial? Wow, it wasn't even no question raised about who did it belong to.
1: They wanted to bury it.
2: Why not? Why not? My lawyer, Craig Steele. Sorry as hell, uh, incompetent lawyer, man. Very incompetent. I mean, he performed the worst performance I ever seen a lawyer perform, man. Which now shows me that he was in cohoose. He was in. He was. He. He was in. He was, He was, He conspired with elected officials to sustain a wrongful conviction, man. My lawyer, my trial attorney, he didn't hire no DNA expert to combat the testimony of the state's DNA expert. He didn't even consult with a DNA expert to have the DNA expert to interpret the results from the DNA testing of the evidence collected and preserved by the Houston Police Department. He totally ignored that area of my case and was uh was able to establish some you know bullshit de- defense that i consider bullshit, uh of wrong uh, uh misidentification man if he would if he would have got a dna expert which i was entitled to by law you know because can't no innocent in individual have a fair trial with the state, if they don't get all the... Um, all the facilities. Favorable evidence, yeah. you know, in, in his behalf, man. That's just like a boxer going inside the boxing ring with no gloves.
1: Yeah.
2: Or his hands tied behind his back. We you are, He's placed at a disadvantage. And that's how it was in my situation. You know, uh, I had three or four prosecutors on my case before... You know the final dna uh, tried the case a lot of them didn't even want to try you know what what was their reason only they know Mm. you know what i'm saying but i had three i had three different uh prosecutors that was a that was in an attempt to try this this murder case but they, they 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 bagged out for some reason or another and and this last uh the uh prosecutor was her, her name is Gretchen Flader Miss Flater, she, she she tried the case anyway and she got what she wanted but little do you know that God don't never sleep he sits up high and he looks down low he sees everything that's going on yeah. don't you know that this woman was was later this is later on down the line after my trial she was popped and fired from the Harris County District Attorney's office by Kim Og, Due to Prosecutorial misconduct Wow So she got a history Of doing it And the lawyer Who The lawyer who uh, Found this out It was Randy Schaefer Randy Schaefer Represented a client And on appeal And due To his investigation He was able to discover That Gretchen Flater Was A corrupt And uh, Vindictive uh, Prosecutor man but but check this out, she was fired from here, and she just went to the to the neighboring county, which was I believe she worked in Montgomery County now. She she's still a prosecutor, but she just moved to another county.
1: Wow, how could that be? Do you think the CCA and the Harris County Prosecutor's Office should be ashamed of themselves once the truth comes out? I mean, in reality, yes, I believe so. But you know, they don't
2: believe they don't believe so. Shit, they've been doing it for years. They're comfortable with doing what they've been doing. It's just not too many people get the opportunity to do what I've done. You know, uh, fight them and, and win. A new victory was mine from the get-go because I didn't do it. My question is, how can you convict a actual innocent man or a woman? How can you convict them without cheating or without lying or without you know violating their uh constitutional right there's no way possible that you can win a trial without cheating when you're trying to convict an actual innocent person and actual innocent means that you're not the the individual who committed the crime because you wasn't there you know your time can be a accounted for so i always told myself it's something that i gotta find that they did wrong in my case if i want to get back into these courts because the courts do not respect pro se litigants wow you can have evidence submitted with your writ or with your appeal you can have evidence submitted you can submit it to them they're going to find a way to knock you down why because they are you already where they want you to be you 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 are in their world when you go to prison it's like leaving the real world going into a whole nother world prison is a world within the world it's his own world and you got the corruption that's in that world and it's hard for you to really expose it because you got to understand they are in control of everything, your movement, they're, they're in control of what you can say, what you can't say, you know, how you uh, communicate with people and they going through it thoroughly, bro. They going through your mail, they reading your mail, they'll throw your mail away you write a grievance up, it'll never make it to the person that it need to make it to, and if it do make it to them, they're finding some kind of excuse or a lame answer to respond back to you with. I mean, it's all covered up, man. It only takes people like you, uh, and other uh uh, uh individuals who who you know, the Innocent Project of Texas, it takes people like like y'all to get involved from the outside and take all the information that we uh, present to y'all from the inside and and y'all do something with it. That's the only way that an individual who's incarcerated can get heard or get acknowledged or recognized for any type of wrongdoing, whether it be in, in the prison or what sent them to prison. It takes somebody on the outside that's willing to stand up and fight for justice to, you know, get that out into the public.
1: In my interviews, I've come across a lot of reporting that people did, let's say, a decade or 20 years ago, and it was all false reporting, which was basically obtained from the police officers and and snitches and informants. Exactly. But they never went back to correct it, and it's still existing, uh, and it's just shocking. That people uh, and those organizations uh, call themselves uh, reporters and and journalists. But what role do you think the media actually plays in destroying or rebuilding an innocent man's life? They, the main, they, they, man, they, they are the main. Whether they, whether it be true,
2: whether it be false, whether it be speculation, whether it be assumptions. They don't give a damn. This, they, they, It's about covering the story. And to me, it's getting uh, uh, views, you know, to get the viewers. They got to, in order to keep something going on, you got to have a lot of support. You got to have supporters. You got to have people that bag you up. I mean, and for me, I believe that a lot of these news stations and things of that nature broadcast stations even with the uh uh um and not to get off the subject but i just got to throw this in there even with the election you had what you call fake news
1: yeah
2: you know i've been following that real real closely and i'm not even into politics But it was just something about, you know, this election and what's going on around the world. Yeah, a lot of these outlets, man, they'll throw out whatever they can to destroy an individual before they even get the facts, man. And like you say, they don't even go back. Once they do get the true facts, they don't even go back and correct and say, hey, we messed up. We made a mistake you know, we want to bring y'all an update on what's going on on this situation or this that we reported live from, and we want to make a correction. They don't, I mean, they don't even do that. How I could, I, they don't have no regards whatsoever, man. I, even with the prosecutor that sent me to prison, even with the detective who conducted a shabby investigation, you, do you think they, they, I mean, everybody reached out to me that didn't even have nothing to do to do with this uh, wrongful incarceration and they were so apologetic and i'm trying to figure out why why are you i mean i never asked them you know but i'm asking myself why are these people apologizing to me and they they're not the ones who did nothing you know i don't even know them they're like oh i'm so sorry that you had to go through that and your 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 story it inspired me i mean i heard you i heard you speaking Man, for you to come out and be smiling and not bitter, that, that, really, that really showed me a whole lot. And it made me think about it. I mean, I, I get these stories daily, still today, man. And this is nothing that I set myself out to say. It's not about me. It's about what God can do in an impossible situation, you know. This is a life learned lesson and if it can inspire others, you know, I want my story to do just that, man, because that's what I stand for. That's my purpose in life. And, you know, I discovered that purpose in this situation right here. Because when I was in prison, man, a lot of people used to come to me with their problems. I was a barber in there, so everybody come to the barbershop, you know, but I would always try to figure out, man, why the hell everybody coming to me? I got my own problem. I, I'm I'm in prison for something I didn't do. But you know what? It was a voice that came in and said, take your eyes off yourself. You got to be the light while you're in the hole. I was like, God, I know you. this ain't this ain't the way you want my life to end. I didn't even get to do nothing in my life. I mean, this ain't, yeah, because I've been locked up really pretty much a majority of my life, you know, and... I was just trying to figure it out, and that's when the voice came to me, take your eyes off yourself, and you gotta be a servant. You gotta be a servant while you at the bottom. And I I obeyed that voice.
0: This is Fair Play on JusticeNews.net. This is Fair Play on JusticeNews.net.
1: Welcome back to Fair Play. I'm your host, Imran Siddiqui. And today we're speaking with Lydell Grant, who fought against his wrongful conviction in 2010 for a murder he did not commit, but spent almost a decade in prison for that. Do you think it's easy to come back, to get out, and you're innocent, but the society and the system kind of puts a tattoo on you that is difficult to break? Well,
2: to be to be precise and specific, it wouldn't be easy. No, it wasn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be easy because you got to understand they they portrayed to the world as me being this type of individual. Now, for the people who know me, for the people, I mean, I can come out like right now today and, I mean, be looked at, looked upon as a person who uh, went to prison and endured such hardship and I was messed over. Yeah, those, those people that know me. That's their outlook on the situation, but the ones who don't know me, whether they be in another country, another state, another city, another county, however, for the ones who don't know me, it's going to be hard for them to accept the fact that uh, the Justice Department yet again made another mistake. Wow. They're looking at the fact, especially the racist ones, but for the ones who feel some type of way, you know, they're looking at the situation only to their likening oh he's black it was a white victim he did it he he got a criminal record you know he didn't he shouldn't he shouldn't, have, he shouldn't have got exonerated woo, woo, woo. but what what is the argument for when the evidence proved to the world yeah it shouldn't be no dispute it shouldn't be no no argument it shouldn't be no comments as far as negative comments None of that there, but you know, like I told you earlier in the beginning of the interview, it's going to be a percentage of the world that really believe that I did it and I got away with it, but I didn't get away with it because I didn't do it. Yeah. You only beat the system when you did a crime and you get away with it. That's when you beat the system. I didn't beat the system. I wasn't trying to beat the system. All I was trying to do was prove my innocence and prove to the world that I didn't commit this crime. That's the only thing that was on my mind. And I think with the help of God, who was in control of all things and this situation, with the help of him, I was able to do that to man. And I was able to do it with a smile. I wasn't smiling, you know, that, oh, I got over. I was smiling because finally, I'm in a position that I, I envisioned years ago finally i'm in that position to tell the world the truth now the world gets to know the truth and that's all i was really focused on while i was at the bottom incarcerated in that hell hole man i was thinking about that day of me coming out and telling the world and proving to the world i didn't do it
1: beautiful now what's next for lydell
2: the next chapter of my life is just really right now is enhancing my uh education on for as far as uh, you know what i have a passion for and that's uh you know music i'm pursuing my music career uh i'm going to school i was supposed to start in may like i told you but uh i they wanted some more paperwork for me to get my financial aid they wanted to know why i didn't enlist until the selected service that at the age of 26 but i was incarcerated you know so Mm. that that kind of delayed me uh from starting school in this month so now it's been pushed back to august and what i have to do is i have to get my uh final conviction and sentencing uh paperwork and submit it to the selected service uh build office and prove to them and show them that i was incarcerated which Which it didn't uh, disable me. It disabled me from signing up to the Select Service at the age of Mm -hmm. twenty-six. I was I was incarcerated from sixteen to uh, twenty-nine.
1: Man, I mean, these people are working about Selective Services after destroying someone's life. It's crazy. But what do you think we can do for those more than fifty or fifty thousand or more probably people that a lot of critics have said are still in the prison and there's evidence that they're innocent what can we do for those people man um, We we would have to come up
2: with some type of plan so i mean this was this would if you were to ask that question to you know some some other people whatever i mean you would you probably would get answers uh, 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 you know good great response but the thing is this what, what we want the right response I mean what is it that, that that's where we at right now what is it that we can do to help them that that's incarcerated uh, uh that are actually innocent man I mean because like I tell you a lot of them guys down there that are actually innocent they didn't either got down there and and got into the prison life. They didn't got down there and you know, threw their hands up and just accepted the fact that they been messed over or, you know, they didn't they didn't got into prison and was and, and, I mean majority of and this is the guardian of the truth, this is what I found out because I was the one helping them. But a lot of them guys they can't read or write. Wow. You don't know who to go to.
1: So how can you Tell somebody. What role do you think race plays in the U.S. criminal justice system? It plays
2: a, a significant role, man. I, I believe, my believe, I believe that, you know, really to be truthfully, man, the system was designed to incarcerate Black uh, American men to keep them from the population, man. I mean, you take the, you take the Black male up out of the home, that breaks up the family right there, you know. Then it it leaves the mother to defend for the the child, the children. A a mother can only do so much. I mean, just think about it, man. A greater percentage of African-Americans incarcerated than you do out out free in in society. So there's more African-Americans locked up in prison than it is African-Americans out here in society, man. Okay, I mean, people get the most time for the smallest crimes. I just don't be understanding, it, man. You know, we didn't did it. We did it while we was in prison. Me and, and, and some uh, inmates that was in there with me that I I, I uh, pretty much associated with, and we we were We were literally go around asking, you know, certain individuals, different races, white and black, or white and Hispanic or black and Hispanic. We'll go around ask them questions, you know, what was your crime? How much time did you get for it? And we would compare them and man, don't you know that man we man, bro, they give out they give out time more time to blacks than they do any other race, man. I mean they said how could you give a person double life sentence or a hundred years or ninety nine or fifty five and and you and you don't have no evidence whatsoever of them committing that crime that they're alleged alleged to have committed, and sending them to prison like that, man. I mean, how what,
1: how 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 can a person do that and still sleep with themselves, man? If Texas has most exonerations, we can only guess how many how many people that's exactly are, are innocent in there, man, in prison that are innocent right now yeah i mean there's no and there's no there's no even they don't even have any data available like nobody even wants to go and check it out man
2: man and you have a lot of people you have a lot of people in prison man right now
1: that are actually innocent bro a lot of people because if texas leads the nation in exonerations then you can just imagine what is under that tip of the iceberg they haven't been uh discovered yet how was your experience in there man I mean I know it I mean you can't put it in words until you make a movie about it probably I mean and and then meeting those people that you think are innocent
2: man just being incarcerated and knowing that you are actually innocent you never know you you, you you got that you got that voice in your head that's gonna be telling you all the time man uh you don't know if you're gonna get out alive or you're gonna die in here that's something that, that, that was constantly going through my mind, man. I mean, I haven't even lived. I haven't even lived. And for me to go to prison and experience it, and I told myself, I'm never going back to prison. I meant that. And then for, here it is out of nowhere, come along and pick me up for a murder that I know I didn't commit, and for them to charge me with it, man, that was, like, very, very harsh on me, but I had to stand up. Not get angry and be mad, but I had to stand up and use my mind. I had to T-H-I-N-K, man. I had to think my way through the situation, and that's what I did. And I thank God that he gave me the strength to continue getting up and fighting, man. Well, wow. But to, to to add to that. This is what I really believe that should be done. It should be some type of law. It's, it's some, uh, you know that we can enact into the legislation, legislation and have it to where detectives and prosecutors are held accountable for their action. If one can prove that they acted maliciously, and vindictively, they should be held accountable. And when I say held accountable, I'm not talking about no no slap on the wrist. I'm not talking about no, no uh, two or three days in jail like they did in Michael Morton case. I'm talking about send they ass to prison for multiple years so they can get the experience, right, and get to be the the feel of how it feels to be treated less than a human, how it feels to be treated like an animal. I don't, nowadays, I don't even like to see a dog tied up to a tree or tied up here because I know how they feel, man. I don't even want to see an animal behind a cage because that's how I know how it feel. That's how I was, man. And that's just to explain to you
1: yeah.
2: how I felt. you know what I'm saying, during my incarceration. To be fed through a slot, you know, you're you in a cage and they pushing your food. Do a a, a little slot, a door that barely opened up. I mean, it just—it's so uh, dehumanizing, man. Very dehumanizing.
0: This is fair play on JusticeNews.net. This is fair play on JusticeNews.net.
1: Welcome back to Fair Play. I'm your host, Imran Siddiqui, and today we're speaking with Lydell Grant, who fought against his wrongful conviction in 2010 for a murder he did not commit, but spent almost a decade in prison for that. When we have these archaic, unjust laws, why haven't they been changed? That's a good question. Why do you think? They don't want it to be changed? I mean,
2: anything that works in your favor, do you want it to change to where it'll be against you? It'll be uh, against what what you're setting up? Don't nobody want anything that's against what they're trying to push forward. So, good question. Why they haven't been changed? Why are we steady, in this day and time, stuck with laws that was created years ago? You know time brings a change and we must change with the time well time brings a change and we must change with the time it all correlates to this right here this is the question i want to ask you why do we still have justices on the panel of the court of criminal appeals court that's they they are at the age of 82 uh, 70s. They're in their 70s and their 80s. Why do we still have them on the panel? Why Why are they still with the position that they have, man? Yeah, I don't understand that. This is we need to get a new generation of people up in that pa- on, on that panel. You know, that have a different mindset, a different mind frame of thinking.
1: They're waiting for their retirements, man. They want their retirements and their paychecks. But you know, it's funny. So praise to god your question brought me to my question which i had asked uh, a person in position that why is it that when we know that a judge who was wrong made the wrong judgment and we know the prosecutor was wrong made the wrong prosecution why haven't these guys faced any jail time and the answer that i received was oh because they have protection why would they why would they in
2: place that though why would they to protect why would they try to protect them you know from from being punished for doing wrong why would they in place that why would they
1: enact that law the rule of a fair and unbiased jury what do you think that is i think if if that
2: was happening today i believe that it was shut down A lot of the prosecutorial misconduct, it'll shut down a lot of the wrongful convictions that we face today, man. Because you got to understand, the jurors, they are laymen. They are laymen. So in terms of legal terminology, scientific uh, terminology, uh, jurors go in. First of all, not wanting to do that job. They don't want to do jury duty. Uh, And when they do, when they are picked, I mean, it's like, hey, I'm ready for this to get over with, yada, yada, yada. Just imagine if a a, a trial lasts two weeks. Do you honestly believe that they're going to remember the first two days of them two weeks when the trial is about to end?
1: Yeah.
2: They're not going to remember that. It's going to be bits and pieces of the trial that they're going to remember. That's just reality speaking. That's reality speaking. Because can't no human being remember everything of every situation. Look at me. I mean, the witnesses said this and said that. But they were wrong. Yeah. So it's not going to be a part in no human being mind to where they can remember everything specifically down to a court of science. Man. So what I'm saying is this, them jurors, they come in, they don't want to be there. Then they're looking at the fact that, oh, it's a crime. And don't let it be no crime where it's a black uh, a suspect and it's a white victim. Whether it was a rape case or a murder case or a robbery or whatever. Don't let it be that, you know what I'm saying? Because they're going to be looking at, okay, this is a black guy. He, got a, he looked like a criminal. Uh, he, he did do it. They're not, they not even paying attention to the facts of the case and they're not paying attention to the law because they don't know the law.
1: Yeah.
2: How are laymen gonna interpret the law when they don't know the law? You know what I mean? Yeah. Lack of knowledge of the law and prejudging a person by looking at them. I think a lot of jurors, uh, jurors go in that way, not wanting to be there. So they're looking at the fact that, okay, he this is a woman. She got raped. She said that it was him. She's positive. Okay, he did it. Yeah. They didn't, they they not paying attention to what's going on, what took place. You know, they not their their mind is not capturing that. And then you then you got to look at the the prosecutor as well. They're not they're not going to present favorable evidence which will uh, taint their case. They're not going to present that. It's up to your lawyer. To go and discover this type of information, man, and, that, and the only way that he can he or she can discover this information is by a thorough keyword, a thorough investigation.
1: Yeah,
2: that means going back to the scene of the crime. You know, trying to trying to reenact the situation. You know, try to talk to witnesses or anybody that. That have any type of information, you know, pertaining to this situation. That, they, they I mean, and, and and an incompetent lawyer never does that, man. Yeah. Because you gotta realize, a, a court-appointed attorney, they do not get paid what they feel as though they deserve, or they feel as though a lawyer supposed to get. They get a, so, so, for instance, in my situation, my I think you know my 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 lawyer got like. Three hundred and twenty dollars just for my
1: case. That's exactly what I wanted to ask you. Do you think public defenders are given more incentives to entice them to support someone who's wrong, wrongfully convicted?
2: Man, I mean, I believe they play a a, play a role in. I I mean, you got to understand the people who work for the for the for the judicial system, man. You know, and that's all the way from the. Stenographer, the one who's uh transcribing you know the words into a a, a transcript mm. all the way to the judge you know and you know everything in between the, the bailiff the secretary the uh the uh, uh, uh probation officers inside the court the prosecutor the judge all that uh you know they play some type of role in sending innocent people to uh, prison, because you got to understand the state is for the state, they're not going to go against one another, man, yeah, you know, say for instance, in my case, I was given a public defender for trial, and I already named you you know a couple of things that he didn't do that he was supposed to do, and don't you know that that was uh ineffective he he performed ineffectively. You know, so here it is. I go to prison. I'm in prison like I'm two years into this life sentence that they gave me. And I, I uh, discovered that I could file a motion to have DNA evidence that is collected, that was collected and that is still in the possession of police uh, uh, custody and care. I can have it uh, um, tested if I feel as though. You know, it can uh prove my innocence. Well, before I found that out, two and a half years, three years into my sentence, I was, like, studying my transcripts and just trying to figure out what was taking place. Well, I filed the motion after I was able to do a, a, a thorough research on it and understand it. And I filed the motion, man. But, you know, the judge, I mean, two years, no, no, no. I say eight months. Eight months after I filed the motion, the court appointed me a um, lawyer for me to get DNA tested. Mm -hmm. All right. This lawyer lawyer that the court appointed, he worked for the same law firm, the public defender's office. Mm -hmm. Okay. He sat on my case for two years. Shit. Didn't, Didn't do nothing. He wrote me some bullshit letters asking me, how do I believe? He said, I just want to know how can DNA evidence in your case prove your actual innocence? What? And this is what, man, man, this is what this dude, that's why I'm, I'm going to call him a dude because I really want to say something different. But this is what this dude was writing me. And he wrote the same damn letters to me and he I, I don't know if he forgot that he sent me the letter already but he was sending me the same letter he sent me like three three letters of the same thing three of the same letters on different times and I'm and I'm if, man I was puzzled I was puzzled he asked me he he, he asked me how can DNA uh, uh, tested uh, uh, prove my innocence and what evidence do I believe should be tested that can pull. I mean, he asked me some stupid ass questions, man. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's like, "Are you on my side, or are you on the side of the state?" Exactly, and that's what that's when, I, man. I got discouraged. I ain't gonna lie. I was kind of discouraged because now I'm feeling like now they're trying to hide the real truth. Now they try. Now that I filed this, now they're trying to hide it, and they put him out there. But you know what, man? God is so good, man. I'm talking about. I was going to the law library. This is
1: The praise it. to God. You know, these For guys, real, man. Y- you're, you're right, because look at what happened. I'm going to tell they, you. Hold, they, on, they, hold on, hold on. Hold on, yeah. hold on, hold on. You okay, got to go you, you hear this,
2: because this is a part that, that, that nobody have heard. I swear to God, nobody have heard this. Because, you know, as a reporter, they're asking questions that comes to their mind. But to actually sit down and to go in depth. I haven't had the opportunity yet, but this is what happened. So they give me another public defender, and the judge appointed this this lawyer to me. And by this judge being a judge, he should have known from the get go that that was improper and it was against the law. Wow. To do that. Wow. But look, I said I said patiently, trying not to bug. I try not to say too much to this lawyer because he lost my trust mm. from the beginning. You know, he lost my trust from the beginning when he when he sent me that first letter. So now I'm like, I don't trust him. I feel like if I if I no let him know, notify him with anything, mm. it's so it's gonna be some type of mess, you know it, it ain't gonna be right. So one day I was in the law library and I was waiting in line to sign in and. A guy that pretty much know me and know my case, he said he came to me he said said, Lyle. He said, man, remember you were telling me about your lawyer? He ain't did nothing. And it's been almost two years. Yada, yada, yada. I am like, yeah. He said, well, I got a case law. He said, uh, write the judge up and you should write a file a motion for that lawyer to withdraw. Because according to this right here, this case law, two lawyers that represent the same law firm and and, and, and uh, use the same address you know
1: conflict a, a,
2: a, uh, the same ad- it's a conflict of interest yep it's a conflict yeah. and I just said thank you lord yeah
1: two
2: two years it passed by this man sat on my case and didn't do nothing April the 1st
1: 2013 you can't even appeal again if you miss some certain time frames which sounds like bullshit to me it's uh yeah they give you expiration dates they give you a, 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 a,
2: they put a time on everything that they that you must that you must uh, turn in i mean that you're willing to turn in a fight they, they put a time frame on us but with them they they ain't got no time frame yeah the judge
1: hired a counsel for you he he, appointed oh, the, the, excuse me the judge appointed yeah a counsel for you who was connected to the same law firm that public defenders same office. law office that was prosecuting you
2: and yes he did and, and he as a
1: judge wow
2: and he as a judge he must know that. He got to know that.
1: Of course. I mean, you got to know that, man. Because this action clearly proves that there is no support mechanism within the justice system to help those who know they are innocent.
2: You, you're against the system, man. Don't you know that everybody that contributed to my uh, justice? I mean, seriously, they are personal, personal friends of mine now. I mean, all the way up to the woman. You know, Angie Ambers, who was the DNA expert in my uh, case. I mean, these people, they I, I'm forever in debt with them, man, because they, God sent them, God placed them in my life at the right time. Each individual that had a, a, a role in co- contributing to my uh, exoneration, God placed them in my life at the right time on, on, on his timing, man. And it all came together for the good. Now this woman here is now after she didn't since she did, since she have done what she did and which was tell the truth. Mm-hmm. That's all she done. Don't you know that she received a bunch of hate mail and emails saying that she's a <laughs> traitor and wow. uh, you you crossed the line and you know she and it made me feel bad for her man. you are trying to shame her for telling the truth. E- exactly, man. And the exec, she say, a, a lot of my colleagues, they're mad at me like them and yada, yada. I say, for what? Telling the damn truth? She said, but I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't, yeah, they send me emails and they send me messages. And I'm like, Angie, I feel so bad. I apologize. She said, no, I feel bad. This, this, she said, I love my job and I love what I do. So, I mean, it just, it, it goes back to what you said, how there's no support. They cover up, they cover up, they cover up. But let me tell you this, bro. The truth don't never need no support. The truth is not biased. DNA is not biased. DNA don't lie. I mean, humans lie. Humans lie, man. DNA don't lie. How you going to argue against scientific evidence? Now, here it is. We presented clear and convincing evidence to the Court of Criminal Appeals, which is a requirement that we must uh, 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 pass over. It's a requirement that we must pass over in order to get you know, the relief that we were seeking for. And once we presented that to them, don't you know they came up with something else after that? Well, we need y'all to go back yeah. and interview the witnesses in this case. Well, when they did that, lo and behold, the witnesses came forward and said, hey, now that everything is played out, and we see what's going on. We believe that we were coerced. Mm. We were coerced to be because we told the detective in the beginning that we didn't see no suspect in the photo lineup at all. But he insisted and insisted and kept his finger placed on Lyle Grant's picture. So we insinuated that that's who he wanted us to pick. So we picked him because we were there for you know for a long time and we were tired. Yeah. Mm. After they was delaying and uh, uh, dragging me. More and more evidence start coming up. More and more evidence started coming up in my favor. So after after that, they they, they wanted well in the beginning they wanted they wanted the uh Jamarico Carter, they wanted his
1: uh photo video evidence. Uh mug they wanted his video testimony or something like that.
2: Well at first they wanted his mug shot and the photo lineup. Then they came back and said, well, we
1: want... His confession. A confession. We want the confession. We want to see the confession. Yeah.
2: Okay, we send them send them there. Eight months later, they turned back around and said, uh, we want to y'all to go and, and interview the witnesses to see if they're going to stick to their story.
1: Wow. So
2: it was one thing after another.
1: That's what Mike said. Your attorney said that he had, in his experience, he had never seen anything as ridiculous as that.
2: Never. I've never seen it. Hmm. Never. How you gonna argue against scientific evidence?
1: But doesn't this show that they didn't want to let you go, man? Which is like, what the hell does that mean? Well, what it showed was
2: it showed that 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 they've been doing this for years, getting and getting away with it. Yeah. To to the point to where they got comfortable doing it yeah that's what it said. see i didn't want to play I didn't want to promote the race card I didn't want to promote that in my situation. see because I believe
1: yeah
2: I believe in you know you can speak things into existing or you can speak things up on yourself, so I didn't want to take the public's eye off of the wrongdoing yeah. that they was doing. I didn't want to say, oh, I'm black and, you know, you got nothing but white. I didn't want to give that, mm. you know, to the world. I didn't want to present that because yeah. you had the George Floyd, you know, you had all the black police, the Black Lives Matter uh, uh, campaign going. And so I didn't want to, you know, intertwine my situation yeah. with that. I wanted my situation to remain an isolated situation And the light be shed upon it, man, because it was about wrongdoing. They sent me to prison when, in fact, they knew from the get-go that I wasn't the guy, but yet still sent me to prison wrongfully, man. Because why? They thought that they were going to be able to get away with it. Yeah. When a prosecutor is doing something that they know is wrong and they get, and they continue to get away with it. Do you think they're going to stop doing it? No, that's just like a child, a child would do things behind their parents back. Because I once was a child and we'll keep doing it. We'll we'll keep doing it until they either get caught or they did it enough to where they'll stop ahead of time before they get caught. But they're going to continue to do it. That's my whole point right there. Yeah. They're going to continue to do wrongful convictions until the day come that they either are fed up with their self of doing the corrupt act or until they get caught. And majority of them do it until they get caught. Yeah. They're going to continue to send innocent men and women to prison so long as they are protected by the state with that uh, uh, uh,
1: uh, uh immunity.
2: Immunity. They they will as long as they have immunity, they're going to continue to be corrupt, man.
0: This is fair play on JusticeNews.net. This is Fair Play on JusticeNews.net.
1: Welcome back to Fair Play. I'm your host, Imran Siddiqui, and today we're speaking with Lydell Grant, who fought against his wrongful conviction in 2010 for a murder he did not commit, but spent almost a decade in prison for that. What do you think it will take to reform the criminal justice system? Do you think that we need to unseat the criminal judges and prosecutors uh, in order to reform this entire system? Of course. I'm in agreement with you on that. I
2: believe so. And I believe that, you know, a lot of trials... They, I mean, they're public trials, man. Anybody can come in and sit in on a trial. I believe that a lot of trials need to be um, uh, scru- uh, under scrutiny, man. I really believe that they need to be watched closely and carefully to whereas, you know, the uh, prosecutor doesn't play foul ball and to where the judge don't play foul ball with a defendant who's standing on trial fighting for their freedom especially if they're actually innocent of the of, of a crime that they are allegedly to have committed that we're allegedly you know you can't convict someone before the trial you can't go into a trial with your mind uh, set on that this person is guilty you can't do that because that's wrong and that's not a uh, 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 proper procedure, you know, we are we are given due process, man. That's a right that we have, and I believe that that right is not honored and it's violated. You know, we don't get the due process that we so also oh, deserve as uh, defendants standing on trial, man, and going into a trial like that—that's biased, and it's the it's the the odds are, are against the defendant, man and they say that we are we have a right to an impartial trial a lot of them trials are not impartial brother. Mm -hmm. they're not you know from the judge prosecutor to the jurors i believe that you know in their mind a crime took place someone got to pay for it whether you did or not you, you today you are standing on trial, and we're going to proceed on. If you didn't do it, well, you'll have to prove your own innocence. But right now, we're taking you to trial because we believe that you did it. With no evidence, they believe that a defendant is guilty of the crime. With no evidence now. With no evidence. With no evidence. Mm. But we're still gonna try you anyway. See, that needs to be changed. You can't go to trial on, with a defendant. You can't take a defendant to, defendant to trial now that you have concrete evidence that substantiate these charges yeah. you know we don't get why well, we don't get to see the the, the uh um, grand jury a uh, grand jury
1: yeah
2: we don't never get to see the grand jury process yeah and i was told that majority of them are either former FBI agents or ex cops. Uh, it
1: sure All part of the system
2: Exactly man Yeah Why is that shit done in secret?
1: Yeah It needs to be changed
2: Just like Just like the CCA Yeah
1: That
2: stuff is done in secret man
1: And, and it's just like An assembly line man And then everyone's Just trying to save The other person
2: That's the whole point right there That shit needs to break Yeah That shit needs to break But that's That's up in the top five causes Of you wrong for convictions and the uh, illegal uh, incarceration man mass incarceration
1: too and they were never accepted because their their posses would come to support each other and we will come up and uh, defend the innocent no matter what it takes
2: exactly man and, and, and but those people must come forward and stand up man yeah they must come forward and stand up because See, don't nobody want to stand for what's right. Don't nobody want to contribute to a righteous cause until it happened to them
1: yeah.
2: or a loved one or a friend of theirs. It, 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 it never, it never fails. I'm going to give you a prime example. See, they have a law that they passed, the fastest bill that in U.S. history that was ever passed. And it's called the Priya Act. Mm-hmm. It's a prison reform act against uh, people getting raped and sexually abused in prison. That was the biggest. I mean, that was the fastest bill that was ever passed. Wow. Why we can't come together and push for laws, reform of bills to be enacted in today in today's law, man, and it be effective
1: and honored do you think somebody who's been incarcerated and wrongfully convicted and then exonerated, they can ever come back to a normal life? Or do you think they've been scarred forever?
2: I, I, I would say a mutual role, good and bad. I, I'm, and I'm gonna explain myself. A good role, you know, well, it, it, it exposed the truth nationally. You know, um, I went down as being labeled, categorized, and classified as a murderer. I mean, just just for a hot second, could you imagine your name being connected with the word a murderer? You know, Lyle Grant, the murderer who stabbed. I mean, it it. it
1: it's soul shaking
2: i mean it's like okay the world they see me as being that okay time went on then i reappear now it's my turn and that's how i look at it that's why i don't turn down no interviews not unless it's you know a interview uh, from somebody that i don't really just want to deal with but i don't turn down interviews because you gotta understand it's not about me i got people that i left behind that i gave hope to man I gave a hope. I gave hope to a lot of people around the world that's that's incarcerated, and I feel as though that was a good thing as far as you know the aftermath. But in the beginning, you know how they slandered me and you know mischaracterized my name and uh, uh, defamed. I mean, you gotta understand, I was a local celebrity about to take off and be nat- uh, uh, national with, with my music, you know. So, I look at it like you know. Now that I'm back, God, He made me bigger than I ever imagined. You know, I knew that I was gonna be popular with my music, but I didn't know that I was gonna be this. this he made me more popular than I can, uh, than I ever imagined, man. I mean, do, do you know that I, I had people come from Denmark, uh, Greece, Nigeria austria these folks then flew down here and came and interviewed me and took my story back to their country to publicize that so i mean i'm my case is internationally known the way i look at it it can be good and bad but i'm gonna always run with the good so it really turns out it turns out for the good see that's what god say god say Things that turn out for the good for those who love the Lord. Wow. Give you an, I'm gonna give you an analogy on, on, on what I'm speaking on. If you take a cake, right, you know how good a cake tastes when it's finished. Now, yeah. Anything, all the all the ingredients that it takes to bake the cake. If one was to eat them individually, it would be a distasteful taste in your mouth, right or wrong. Yeah. You, you got the flour, you got the salt, you got the butter, you got the eggs, you got sugar. I mean, whatever else you add, you got all that individually. You taste them one by one. It's gonna have. It's gonna be distasteful to you. But once you blend them all together, wow! And put and, and make that, that cake mix. Pour that cake mix in that pan and put the pan in the oven and let that, let the oven do what it do. At the end of that. After you go through that heat, at the end of that, you come out of cake. You taste that cake. It came out for the good. That cake tastes good as hell. The same thing with life, man.
1: Yeah.
2: Go everything that comes together. It comes together for the good. So in my situation, distastefully, individually, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It would it would have been distasteful, but I went through all of what I went through for the good and the good is not only to be an inspiration to others uh, and not to only give uh people who's at the bottom hope who don't have hope man i mean it it put me on a it put me on a a, on a higher plateau it put me in a better position and i mean you know uh can't no amount of money pay for what i lost you know what i'm saying So it's not even about that. I don't even give a damn about no compensation money because I got the Lord on my side, man. I got more money than any uh, rich person uh, that's living that you can name up. And not only that, I got happiness, man. I got joy. I got joy in my heart. So I'm at peace, man. Being at peace. And like I say, these are the things that I look at which keeps me from having a a demonic mindset and you know i just want everybody to know that no matter what your situation look like no matter how hard times may seem no matter how i'm talking about how low you are how low you are in your situation if you got any type of knowledge of god any type of knowledge of knowing that he's the only one that you need to turn to and tend to if you have that type of knowledge you will come from up under your situation because God is in control not man God is in control of all circumstances and situations you never know why you might be going through what you're going through at the time you're going through it you never know but I guarantee you if you turn to God and you really really believe in your heart that He is in control and it's it's on His timing and it's His doing, you'll hear the voice you'll start hearing when God speaks to you. And that'll put you at ease while you're going through the storm. Because in the beginning, though, I was trying to figure out how I became a suspect. What did I do? How did I... I mean, what did I do to get in this situation? I know I ain't killed nobody. I ain't stabbed nobody. i have been in worse situations to where... You know, a result like that there could have uh, resulted, but I ain't never, I ain't, I ain't never put no, uh, no harm or no, uh, no violence up on a human being, man, because I believe in the Bible, man. There the death should not, death should, the Bible say death should not kill, and the question is, how can a human being, right, a human being take a life of another? Yeah. And why And why did it take 18 months yeah. for me to be exonerated when they had all
1: the evidence they needed? Yeah, why Why did it keep you longer after they knew that you were innocent?
2: That's what we need to be asking the justices that was on my case in the CCA. We need some questions. We need some answers to these questions, man. Why did it take so long when y'all had the evidence that y'all require a, a defendant to have to be exonerated or to be uh, brought back to court and the case be reinvestigated, Why did y'all wait or drag y'all foot on Lyle Grant uh, case when y'all when he presented him and his lawyers presented to y'all the evidence that was required by the court? Why did y'all take so long? What what made y'all stall on his case and not exonerate him? Because at one point in time, I was going to be the fastest uh, exonerate in the state of Texas, mm. man.
1: They wouldn't want that,
2: but. They failed. They failed. They 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 drugged me, man. They drugged me out. You know what I mean? But God was with me the whole time. It was, I don't give a damn what they was trying, what they had in mind, or what they was intending to do. If it wasn't what they did, the right thing, it wasn't going to work, man. God chose me for this right here, man. I'm a living proof.
1: A lot of the exonerees that I've interviewed, one thing I've seen... Mm -hmm. synonymous in all of them is that I didn't find them to be hateful or angry or like having any animosity Mm -hmm. towards what happened to them.
2: Well, I mean, it's behind you. The The time to be angry was while you was going through it, right? In the beginning and while you was going through it. But to be blessed to receive a great reward, I mean a great uh, a result, a great ending, a, a victory that washes that washes away all the bitterness, all the hatred, all the anger, all the frustration towards the person or you know the machine which is the system that got you placed in the situation from the get go. Being able to be out and not be locked up for the rest of your life as they gave you life for 50 or 60, however much time, just to be able to have a shot at life again, that erases all of that, man. You know? Yeah. Because the time for all that is in the beginning. You know, mm-hmm. going to trial, the result at trial, and then getting down there in prison to put up with the Corruption and foul play that's behind them uh, barbed wire fences and uh, metal metal gates and concrete walls, man. You know, to be able to be delivered away from that, man, and to be able to have another shot at life, there's nothing to be bitter about or to complain about. The only thing is, is to be thankful and grateful that you're out that you got another shot at life, and you can move forward, man. And I think I demonstrated that to the world as much as possible, and I'm going to continue to demonstrate that, man.
0: This is Fair Play on Justicenews.net.